Hello, everybody. Welcome, welcome. Episode 6 here of the Empire Nextel podcast. I'm your host, Dorf, joined each and every week by Josh Hauslander. How's it going tonight, Josh? Awesome, dude. Awesome. Glad to be back. Yeah, great episode here. So um, if you haven't checked it out already, our latest episode on simulation theory, that's the one before this one, episode number five. Uh, great episode for us to, to make and, and produce. Um, we relate it, it, you know, to other concepts in in physics and other things like that. And, you know, kind of a, it's, it's a layman's level discussion on the concept where you don't need to have an understanding, you know, huge understanding of physics to understand what we're talking about, which makes it entertaining for the, the average audience. So, Josh, uh, tonight's topic is the drug war. What do you think about uh, that in general? And, you know, what's going on with you tonight, by the way? Oh, I mean, you know, uh, none of the drug war really matters because we're all living in a simulation. But <laughs> <laughs> well, we're gonna we're gonna operate under the assumption that is not the case. That it does matter. That it does matter. Yes. Right. So tonight's topic, uh, yeah, as I alluded, there is the 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 drug war specifically fought, you know, in the United States and in, in, inside its sphere of influence. Um, so to introduce what we mean by the drug war is. A phrase popularized in the mid 20th century to fight the the scourge and stain on society that is uh, illicit drug usage. Um, sorry, I, I, that was an attempt at trying to be provocative, and it, it, it didn't land. I see. Um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway, um, I, I was still setting up my notes, man. This is on the fly operation here. Yeah, it, is. it is our duct tape production. So, anyway, um, so uh, to introduce it here, so we're going to go past, present, future here. In the past, in my opinion, the drug war started off as a noble pursuit. Um, in general, uh, as someone who has never used illegal drugs and doesn't really understand the the pursuit of finding altered consciousness, um, I just don't get it. Uh, it's never been explained to me to the point where I, you know, like, all right, I get it. All right, fine. That, you know, do whatever. Um, I just, you know, it started off as a noble pursuit, you know, to fight, you know, societal rot from within and battle the influence of foreign non-governmental entities throughout, you know, the domestic policy of the United States. It ceased being that uh, a long time ago. So what's your thoughts about that, Josh? Um, I feel like I shouldn't even talk about this issue without putting out a disclaimer about myself to some degree. And that is that, yes, I, I am a libertarian, completely. And this is a basic ideal of libertarianism that... Um, and I, I might not, I might not even be the most perfect libertarian. I'm not claiming to be. I, I veer from them, but this is something where I really toe the party line on this, and all drugs should be legal. I do not think there should be a such thing as an illegal drug. I firmly believe that people can put whatever they want in their own body, and to take an even further position on it, I find it ludicrous that other people truly believe they have the right to tell people not to do drugs if they want to do drugs. I, I find it I find it ridiculous that that anyone would think such a thing. Well, 
Josh, so let's 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 focus here on the uh, the past here. So that's, sure, that's, we can do that. You know, we'll get into the future here at the end of the episode. Okay. The drug war, you could you could argue, was either kicked off by Nixon or Reagan. Um, I, I would I would more say Reagan. It was more of a, a Nancy Reagan pushed policy. Um, I think I think Reagan brought it to the forefront and made well, it I mean, a campaign issue true, and yeah. a, a public issue. You can argue that it goes back to the early 1900s with uh, reefer madness and uh, some of these other ideas that that I mean, bring hell, to even, the even you know not that you know I'm gonna complete alcohol you know consider alcohol as an entirely separate product you know project subject everything you know you can even argue that sort of purity culture that was the largest driving force behind the drug war initially goes back to prohibition. Absolutely. Absolutely. And as we both, uh, you know, I've got some bourbon here and you've got uh, some wine as we were, well, and wine and some beers we record here. Uh, double fisted on me. I see here on camera. <laughs> <laughs> um, we, we both uh, enjoy some alcohol ourselves. Um, but, I can understand the, especially from a, a more culturally conservative perspective, the idea that having a hands-off approach to culture, <laughs> as you're seeing in current events, as the, the, the conservative right abandoned culture to, in the, over the last 20 years and just ceded that entirely to the left, who didn't really try to steer it either, as you're seeing just cultural rot on display here in, in, in current events, um, it was their attempt to prevent culture from going crazy, and and I understand that, and that's okay, and the why they wanted to pursue that, um, but that doesn't mean it's a good policy still anymore. So, I mean, it, am I accurate in characterizing how it began, in your opinion? I think so, Dorf. But I also think it's really important to point out that without without people in government or leaders in culture identifying this idea that really isn't true. This idea that alcohol isn't a drug, all the drugs are drugs. Without them identifying that, they don't get to do their war on drugs. You know, we we see that when they tried this in the 20s with prohibition, it was a terrible failure. It it was awful. But Here's the thing. I will, I will, I will defend prohibitionists slightly. They, they aren't wrong that alcoholism isn't a destructive force in society. I mean, look at the the, the terrible social situation in Eastern Europe, specifically in Russia. Like twenty five percent of their adult male population are alcoholics. And it's probably higher than that because, like, their definition of alcohol and alcoholism does not match ours. It is much less stringent. The less stringent <clears throat> definition, I, I believe it's like 25% of Russian male adult males are alcoholics. So much so that that will be the cause of their death. Sure. They, they are, in essence, drinking themselves to death, regardless of how quick, you know, they. We could do a whole episode on like Russian alcohol policy and essentially how it turned in, you know, the back all, back all the way into the, the, the czarist regimes. Um, 
the you know when the Romanov family still ran things, they used alcohol essentially to keep the people docile, and then monetized it, and that's how they funded their kingdom. To, right. And that was essentially also why communism stuck around so well is because they made sure that anybody who was uh, able to dethrone them was uh, thoroughly entertained with the booze. So, you know, I'm not going to lie, alcohol, you know, alcohol and, you know, if you want to lump it in with all other mind-altering chemicals, isn't a dangerous, if left unchecked in society, isn't a dangerous force, but... Uh, I like booze too as I finish my bourbon here. Well, I think I think where they do differentiate and when people make the um when people make the comparison to alcohol and weed, I think there's a, a legitimate comparison there. But um the problem is is that a lot of um pro booze people who drink a lot or who drink a decent amount end up sounding like drug war fanatics and a lot of weed fanatics come across as prohibitionists and i've questioned a lot of people over this over the years they say you know you guys really it's i almost feel like it's uh, comparable to the race war in a lot of ways or race culture it's, if you guys would just realize that you're really not on different sides of this you know uh, of this um or debate. you're on the same You'd side be... you just you just have wrongly identified teams <laughs> exactly exactly i really think that it it would help i mean and there is a a big cultural push and there has been 20s 30s 40s 50s and on before they officially labeled it the drug war where um i think people were very much um misunderstanding what um what drugs do and actually a lot of studies show that um well quite frankly a lot more people do drugs than you realize oh yeah and there's actually and that there's actually um i, I they're not what all it is. losers it's like 15, you know they're not like all losers the there's there's I've people seen, out there like 15 percent of the adult population <laughs> in the united states smokes weed multiple times a year Fifteen percent, and it's just like, all right. So if we're doing math, fifteen percent. Holy shit! Some pretty important people smoke weed on a regular basis. Well, and if, <laughs> and if like you want to, the math says that. Like, I, I wouldn't be surprised. This is going to sound, you know, conspiratorial or otherwise. I wouldn't be surprised if Barack Obama didn't smoke weed on a regular basis as president of the United States. Maybe I wouldn't be surprised. You'll you'll find that out twenty thirty years from now. That you know what I mean. He 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 did it before. He admitted to doing it as a younger man. Hell, he did. Didn't he do? Was it crack? Was he a younger man? I I forget which. He, he I admitted, don't know. He admitted um, to some to a to some sort of George hard W. Time. George W. Bush admitted to snorting coke. Yeah, and and you know, yeah. he was a rich party kid. Oh, absolutely. It, um. Uh, according to the uh, released CIA documents, I know we're getting into conspiracy stuff here, but according to uh, all those CIA documents, uh, Bill Clinton and his brother uh, loved the cocaine. I, I wouldn't surprise me, and quite frankly, I wouldn't be surprised if the Donald isn't effectively permanently high on speed. Maybe. What, you know, effectively, what is speed? <laughs> sure. Um, you know, uh, uh, you know, 
the the quote unquote legal version of it. The legal ver you know legal version that you can get with a prescription if you you know have enough money. Um, Adderall or you know, I mean, I'm I, I'm I'm not a drug yeah. expert by any stretch and, of the imagination. And, I, and this is the crazy part is like the just do the fifteen percent math on members of Congress. That means like sure. eighty or ninety of them or probably functional you know functional alcoholics and drug users you know spread out you know <laughs> the, the crazy you know do, do you know what you might want to consider when when raising that kind of question that you can't prove is are they or is it worse if they're not because how is that representative of the american people <laughs> if if they're not it's represent you know congress is inherently representative of the american people because their districts put them there <laughs> Um, it's whatever their districts want it to be. Hell, I mean, I know you and I are both fans of uh, the socialism, but I mean, there's there's multiple districts throughout the United States that put, you know, card carrying socialists in, in in Congress. So, sure, that's not representative of America as a whole because you know, oh yeah, America when surveyed is is cool with democratic socialism. Uh, but at the same time, once you start, to, are you okay with this, this, and this? And you start picking apart the tenants. Nobody likes it. <laughs> um, you, you know, Dorf, when you're, and I know this is, I think this is still considered past uh, of this, but if, if you recall in the 2016 election, even a guy like Gary Johnson, who is the libertarian nominee, you know, the, the Libertarian nominee who is really just trying to grab like 5% if they have the best year ever. Even Gary Johnson had to say to the press, to his Libertarian constituents that, yes, I've smoked pot, I like pot, but when I'm president of the United States, I will not smoke pot. Now and and say and he had to say that you know when I was governor of New Mexico no I wasn't smoking pot then. was he I don't know you know but I, 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 I hope he was really I, I honestly I hope he was I don't if that's part of your lifestyle I don't I wouldn't want you well, to do it here's Just, the thing as a governor of you could argue any state that isn't on a coast. Um, you know, you can you can indulge in stuff like that enough where you know what it can wait till I sober up or it can wait till morning. Like if you're the governor in New York or California or something like that, where you know potentially you could have a coastal invasion or you know a population density of higher than you know three people per square mile. Uh, you know there may be potentially issues where you may be able to be roused in the middle of the night and uh, need to be entirely sober and yeah. to make decisions. You're you're a, you're a grown up. Throw some water in your face. You're going to be all right. I mean, <laughs> snap out of it. But, if, but at um, the same time, this this wouldn't be the you know at this you know I'm pretty sure you know there's there's some pretty compelling conspiratorial evidence that Kennedy was a smack hound. <laughs> and we we know Kennedy smoked pot. Well, well. Yeah. On at least one occasion, at least one occasion with Marilyn Monroe, his mistress. Yeah, and, and we, I mean, and at the same time, who was it that uh, had like a was it was it a stroke when he was president? His wife essentially ran the country for six months. Or F FDR. Oh, I well, mean, that, 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 it's not FDR. There was somebody else. Um, God, why am I? It's not Woodrow Wilson, is it? 
I'm forgetting. Uh, no, yes, it is Woodrow Wilson. Yeah, Woodrow, yeah no, that's what I'm forgetting. That's Woodrow, Wilson. Woodrow Wilson. I Woodrow Wilson actually had two first ladies. He's the only president that had that. Um, I mean, his wife died while he was in president, and he actually, you know, dated, courted, else. yeah, courted a woman while president of the United States and married her. You know, I mean, kind of a, a very strange occurrence. I mean, could you imagine that happening now with the media? Yeah, what they would do to, you know, what they would do if like Michelle Obama died halfway through and Brock started dating another chick. Or, or, or here's here's the thing: if you if you there was some recent there's a book about Melania Trump coming out here. It hasn't coming out yet. It's coming out here shortly. And an excerpt was released of it to the public. Essentially, her not moving to Washington initially right after inauguration because they wanted Barron to finish the school year. It wasn't entirely true. It was a negotiating ploy to redo the terms of her prenup. Really? <laughs> yeah. And if you want to, if, if, if this book's to be believed, she was actually, like, considering leaving him because apparently she didn't think, you know, he wasn't ever supposed to win, and she didn't think so either. <laughs> it, it, it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, I... I can't imagine that. Yeah, no, that's too off topic. I don't even want to. You know, feel free to say more, but uh, you'll get me on a tan. You'll get me on a tangent here, and I'll, you know, like, yeah, I, I can't imagine that they have the perfect, you know, storybook marriage. <laughs> I mean, you know, he's a billionaire. He's been married three times, and you know, there's a pretty good, compelling evidence that he's had at least one affair. You know, he cheated on every oh. wife before with the the next the next one. Um, no, I mean, he he definitely cheated on Melania at least once. I mean, probably more, but at least once while she was pregnant. Which well, is, at the same time, I mean, there's there's actually a, a dick good, move. There's actually a pretty good chance that the whole Stormy Daniels thing was actually made up. But you'll never know. That's over. It's not political. No, we won't. Anymore. It um, isn't. It doesn't. So. I don't. I don't know that it ever mattered. But all right, getting... I will say this. I will say this real quick, and it's off topic. But um, I mean, the the bias and the hypocrisy of the two political parties is astounding, unending, and hilarious. And I will simply say, imagine what his detractors would have said if Barack Obama had five children by three different women. Uh, imagine what. The you know he doesn't get elected if that's the case. I mean, uh, imagine what they would hint at on Fox News. Imagine what the guy at the end of the bar would be saying. Um, you know, imagine the the whispers on the street. Imagine what people would have said if Barack Obama had five children by three women. And this is not judging. I, listen, I'm a double divorcee with. A bunch of kids and a couple ex-wives myself. I'm not, I'm not criticizing anybody, but just, just a yeah, thought. Because just a some, thought. for some reason, you know, people want to put moral leadership on a president. You know, mm -hmm. eh, whatever. Anyway, uh, back on topic here. Drug war. Uh, let's move into the present. Let's. Your thoughts on the drug war in its current iteration? What it looks like today? That being, you know. The D, anything, including anything, the DEA, uh, criminal sentencing policy, uh, 
whether drugs are dumb or not, whatever. All yours. Take <laughs> here's here's my thing, and this is I feel like this is a, a segue from past to present here. But um, as we go from the past into the present form of it of the drug war, you look at some of the key players in this. Um, Bill Bennett is a person who, quite honestly, even though I don't always agree with him, Bill Bennett is somebody that I'm actually a big fan of. And I think he fits that is surprising. Um, I think he actually... I know who well, he I, is, so th that's surprising. Well, he's a, he's a brilliant man. He's a philosophical man. Um, and th I appreciate that. I was a fan of his radio show for years. Uh, he retired you know, from that, didn't he? He did, yeah. It was uh, Morning in America was the name of his show. He retired. He's still around. You can still you know see him as a guest on things. But Bill Bennett was a guy who he was Secretary of Education, and he started the drug war. So you'd think Libertarian Josh you know, hates this dude. But he's a very smart man. And I think he most definitely fits your description in the last segment, Dorf, of a man who means well. He really was trying to do what is right. He was looking at data. He was moving forward. He was trying to do what was right. But his drug war was an absolute failure. And we're in the present, we are living through the failure that was the drug war. The number of incarcerated people in the United States, the um, the way this this leads to the issues we're we're dealing with right this second with militarized police. You know what what funded that? This did the drug war funded that. That's that's what got us there. This you know this court system that that. For those people out there who have never been involved in the court system in any way, kudos to you. Very good. I'm, you know, that that's a great thing. For those of you that have, maybe you did something really bad you regret. Maybe you did something very minor. But once you are in that court system, it is so hard to get out. It is so difficult to get out and to just get back to a a basic normal life that a lot of people just kind of take for granted. They don't realize how difficult it is to just get back to that. You know, you're you're devastated financially. Your you know your family is is devastated terribly. You have to check and the it, box for the rest of your life. Exactly, exactly. And I listen. I know a lot of people who have just who've committed nothing more than a misdemeanor, but. Man, it, man, can it mess with you, though? It really can. And, yeah, I mean, convicted of a drug crime? Because, what, you're, what, you went to a party? You know, because you're having fun a slightly different way than that judge who probably drinks the finest bourbon in America, you know, was partying with last week. You know, I mean... Let, let's be honest. Um, judges, lawyers, cops, they party too. <laughs> they actually do. You know, some of them pretty hard. I would never say names here on a podcast, but I know some. 
you know, some I've known for decades actually. And, uh, you know, people, people screw around, people party, people have fun. And a victimless crime is exactly what it sounds like. Some people, I, I was surprised recently when I was having a conversation on social media, how, how many people don't understand the basic idea of a victimless crime. And I'm not talking about dumb people or any, you know, I'm talking about people who are involved who just truly don't understand what a victimless crime is. They'll say, oh, well, what, you know, somebody breaks into your house and, you know, it doesn't hurt anything, so they shouldn't go to jail? No, <laughs> you're still a victim in that crime. <laughs> you're you're still victimized when your property is destroyed. You're still victimized when your car is stolen. A, a victimless crime is somebody snorts a line of coke and they get arrested and go to jail. Somebody buys some marijuana and they get arrested and go to jail. And to me, the worst part about this stuff, I could, I could accept the idea of things like Drugs, prostitution, being illegal, if they were decriminalized to a point where you got caught, you paid a fine. Hell, even if you got caught and had to do a little jail time. But the worst part is it's like the old threat from grade school. This will go down on your permanent record. You are forever All right, that let's, person. Let's, let's do a brief that, aside that on got, that. Let's do a brief aside on that. Should there be such a thing as a permanent record? No, no, I do not believe there should be. I am staunchly I, I, I am opposed to for, the probation and parole ideas. Uh, well, I'm not even talking probation and parole, but like if you've if you've served your time and, and your sentence is done, you've you've paid your debt to society. Should you be allowed to have that held against you anymore. It'd be one thing if, you know, you could serve five years in jail and uh, leave with a clean record, or you do two and a half years, but you, you know, you have a record. Um, if, if that was, you know, some sort of option. The, the choice idea wouldn't work because they will, make, they, they will make it so the choice, so the probation parole choice is better at the moment. And and devastated, struggling people yeah. will 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 choose that every time. So in essence, that would only be that would be great for elites. True, that, I, that I, I, I'm, I'm just elite, teas so. I'm not saying I I agree with this. I'm just teasing yeah. that idea here. Um, so this this idea that yeah, I mean, listen to me, it really is this simple. If you are dangerous. You, by all means, should be behind bars. You really should. If you are dangerous, you should. If you have served your debts, if you've paid your debt to society, you have served your time, you have – I mean, they – how much legislation goes into how many months or how many years is is appropriate for a crime being committed? Tons of it does. Tons. If you have done that, then absolutely – you should have the exact same rights, the exact same abilities as you or I or anyone else out there. The idea that you release someone from jail 
and say, you're out of jail, so go pay your rent, go pay your taxes, go pay your dues, uh, pay your license plate fees, and your um, get your new tabs and get a fresh driver's license and get a job and pay not only all the fines we're throwing at you, but just all the daily expenses of life. So go do all that, but um, can't own a firearm. Maybe you can't vote. Maybe you can't um, do this. Oh, and uh, you know, wear this bracelet on your ankle and um, come check in with us every once in a while. And we're going to ask you a bunch of personal questions that's really none of our business, but you don't have your own business anymore. You don't have a right to privacy anymore because we took it from you because you're a criminal. But – you know, but we're not going to lock you up anymore. You just have to go. Be, quite honestly, it's worse. It's worse in a lot of ways than than being locked up. It's people don't think it is because oh god, they just oh I just want to be free. So they'll grab onto that little bit of freedom that isn't really freedom. It's not. You know, it's uh, it's it's akin to you know somebody. Everybody wants to be rich. You can't be rich, so here's you know, 175 bucks a week for welfare. And what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? You gonna turn it down? You, you gonna look the other way? You gonna no? Of course not. You're struggling. You're struggling. Life is hard. You're gonna you know, and you're gonna make mistakes. But some people are made to pay for their mistakes a lot harder than others, and they make it so much harder on the people who quite frankly their life would be harder anyway they probably don't have a support system they probably don't have any way out from these areas so they're gonna struggle and then you're gonna end up well oh geez i i went to a party at you know my old friend's house and somebody there was uh smoking weed and now, oh no, now I got to test for weed tomorrow because I'm not free. I have to, I have to go blow for weed and you blow and oh, oh, or are you, I think you go pee test. Yeah, yeah pee those, test those or are, something. Those are pee tests. You know, so I, oh, I got to go do a, yeah, I don't, yeah, they don't have any sort of breathalyzer yet for pot, do they? I don't think. That's not, just uh, Not that booze. I'm aware of. Yeah. I know they've always talked about working on it, but I don't. Yeah, but yeah, you know, then oh god, somebody I've I've heard about this happening with people. You know, you somebody goes to a party and they they have to go for a pee test and it comes back just a tiny little bit and shit. You know, I I worked with a guy years ago who I um had an extra ticket to a uh, to a concert at Pine Knob. Which that's you know I, nobody I, I know around the world knows it. Yeah, you know where it is, Dorf. It's a it's a outside outdoor concert and, venue in Southeast Michigan. Yeah, and the the smell of pot just kind of oozes <laughs> through the air. And he he turned me down. He liked the band, but he was like, "Listen, man, you know I got a I have random drug testing because of the thing last year, and if somebody right next to me burns a joint." I gotta go in and so no I don't I just won't risk it you know I say hey I don't, you know, I don't blame you I don't blame you you know I, I don't know maybe that was over the top of him but I don't blame him he's scared he was scared so I, you know I just yeah I, I, I'm very much opposed to this 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 way of 
thinking. And, and this was caused by the drug war. It was. And, and, you know, back to when we mentioned prohibition in the last segment, this a lot of, in a lot of ways stemmed from the idea that prohibition didn't work. What are we going to do with all these guys we hired to stop people from drinking booze? Oh, we got to do something with them. All right, well, let's start hunting all these mean, evil, bad drug doers out there. And then it, you know, you militarize the police, you get a million different alphabet agencies out there. So, you know, you got the ATF out there, you got the DEA, you got, you know, I mean, what's, what, what, what is the only thing that alcohol, tobacco, and firearms have in, have in common? Oh, if you talk to my uncle, that, that should be, an, it sold at every corner store. Yeah, it could be the name of a party store. That'd be cool. Yeah. But no, the only thing that alcohol, tobacco, and firearms have in common is they're all legal. Yet we feel that we need an agency out there to to regulate them all. To regulate it, it's it's lousy. It's a lousy system, which goes to show that is it legal? No, I mean something that is heavily regulated by the government isn't actually legal. It's allowed. It's tolerated. Right. I you could easily argue that although very few people disagree with the statement that prohibition was a failure look at what they've done with alcohol laws in modern times tell me is it easier or is it less regulated now to um have a couple of drinks than it was during prohibition because i would say no because back in the 20s during prohibition if you weren't caught in mid-swig you're pretty much good to go or with it like concealed on your person, yeah. Sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, exactly. Concealed on your person in mid swig, or the the speakeasies, of course, could be, you know, brought into question. Yeah. yeah, but 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 they'd pop right back up in the same location <laughs> three days later. So I I question question if prohibition ever ended. You know, they just, they changed up the game a little bit. Um, boy, you've left me, you've talked, you know, you talked for like 15 minutes solid there. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're going to have to cut that as its own segment. Um, please do Josh. I don't, I don't disagree with you on much here. Um, going back a couple minutes, the, the idea that with the amount of people that we've spent or sent to prison and paid to incarcerate um, and given a permanent stain on their, their permanent record for the victimless crime of, of possession, I agree is tragic. At the same time, I'm very much of a, if you can't do the time, don't do the crime slash play stupid games, win stupid prizes type person. It's, it's not a secret that this stuff's illegal. There is a significant enough voting block in this country. If you, if you rallied in and promoted it and gained advocacy for such things that you could have had weed legalized a long, long time ago. 
and, and other and other hard you know other drugs that are regulated. You could have had it legalized a long time ago. And at the same time, you know, that doesn't make things that are on the books not illegal. And that doesn't mean in a civilized society, if you want to maintain any sort of law and order, that you don't need to prosecute those things as they come up. I, I agree that it's a tragedy. It largely affects, it has affected lower class and specifically minority individuals in the United States. But it's not a secret. The, the, the you know, while the legal code is complicated and hard to understand to the nitty gritty, it's not hard to understand Weed federally is still illegal. In many states, it is still illegal. Don't own it. Don't smoke it. Don't possess it. Don't trade in it. And you shouldn't have any problems as far as weed go. Weed is concerned. And, you know, apply that same to other regulated drugs. If you don't like it, don't do it. Go ahead. How do you feel about, how do you feel about the statement? A citizen has the obligation to disobey an unjust law. Philosophically, okay. From a citizen's perspective, philosophically, I absolutely agree with you. But from a state perspective, and, and, and the, a legitimate rights and, and authorities and processes of a state, the state still has the obligation to enforce its laws on its books as written. That That's a Dr. Martin Luther King quote, by the way. Oh, I I, I know it. I, I absolutely know it is. I figured you knew. I and those, just wanted and those to... two things can can conflict, and and part of the what gets a unjust law off the books is people doing it anyway, and just kind of people catching up to realizing this is dumb. We don't need this. Those two things don't happen if you don't have the the civil disobedience of uh, fuck you. I'm going to do it anyway. But at the same time. Actions have consequences, and it's a legitimate action of the state to enforce the laws on the books as written. I don't think it is. I don't think it is. I, I think that um, I think elected officials and hired policemen. I think they swear an oath to the Constitution. I think they swear an oath to serve and protect. And I think the Constitution provides us in myriad circumstances enough uh, enough literature to show that we are a free people at least we're supposed to be so I don't think it's okay the policeman that searches out the guy who has a bag of weed under his seat I, I don't think it's okay that the legislator who thinks that pot is bad and that they're gonna they'll be damned if they find their son smoking it and you're free to do whatever you want to your son by the way if you <laughs> really I'm, I'm a father of four and I, I don't want to come across as the uh, the pro drug guy here okay I'm you know I really don't but you, you handle that how you want you raise your family the way you want you do what you want with yourself. But no, I don't have any solace or or respect for the legislator that would take away your rights because you're doing something he doesn't like. You know, I, I really don't. I don't think it's right. I think it goes – you can say he has um, 
an obligation to support the laws that are in his state. I, I say he has the obligation to defend your rights, and that's what he swore to protect. He or she swore to protect. I think that's more important, but that's debatable, I guess. Oh, man. All right. I, I, I think here I, you thought I was going to agree with you on this episode. No, I, not, not really. I'm not surprised. <laughs> All right, that, let's let's kind of put a bow on on present, and move into future here. Sure. How do you want to see? I mean, I I think we can both agree in in, in our statements throughout the episode so far, both that uh, the Airfingers quote war on drugs needs to come to an end. I think for different reasons. Mine argues is it's uh, it's not effective. It hasn't been effective. It hasn't been effective for a long time. You should end the inward focus on the war on drugs, at least from the user perspective. But the idea that you should relax and allow international criminal organizations such as cartels, it's just, just a mob that has a base in a foreign country to operate you know, domestically with impunity. Um, I think that still needs to be attacked. And, and unfortunately, if you're a U.S. citizen operating as part of a a mob or a terror, you know, I would argue not necessarily terrorist, but uh, adversarial foreign structure, you need to be gone after uh, appropriately. Um, that is a legitimate uh, action of the state to protect the citizens within and promote its its in the interest of its people. The I'm not I'm not saying that we need to go invade Colombia so we can make sure no more poppies are ever grown here again because at that point you might as well go on a world conquering spree until you control it all and have an iron firm grip over all of it. Poppies can grow pretty much anywhere. Um, no, I mean, but the the U.S. military. I mean, it's a whole other show. But I, I think there's more reasons than CNN wants to tell us of why we've been in Afghanistan for over twenty years. Why do you think that is? Just briefly. Because of because of the poppy fields, because of controlling the the, the, the field. Yeah. Or is this not even the drug war? It's the international drug trade. No. Yes. No. Yeah. Not the drug war. They're they're on the. It's part of the drug war, but they're on the other side of it. They're on both sides of it. You know, Dorf. Before we get into, I mean, this is part of the the future of it, but the. I think a lot of people out there are thinking that um, they've made some great gains over the last couple of years because marijuana, for instance, has been legalized in so many places. But I read the bill here in Michigan where I live um, last year when they legalized – I do you know air quotes here – legalized marijuana, and I voted against it because I looked at it and said, this isn't – legalizing anything. This isn't supplying a right to anyone. This is the government sticking their hands in and, you know, heavily regulating it, heavily regulating something that should just be a right, should just be allowed. In fact, I actually know someone who sells pot completely legally. You know, it used to be medicinal now recreational is allowed. I know 
actually two people who do this for a living completely legally who voted against that. As I said, you, people don't realize what this is doing. This is just, this is giving them the opportunity to come knock down our doors. It's just regulating the hell out of something that doesn't need it. So they're, I feel like they're they're throwing this out there to the rabble. Like, we're going to legalize your dope. Don't worry. We're legalizing your pot. It's going to be so great. But really, they're making it worse. They're giving more, they're providing more ways that people can just be arrested for it. So nothing changed. Nothing changed. Yeah, sure. Now you get pulled over, you're stone cold sober, and um, you got a little bag of weed in the glove box. You're not going to jail. That's a good thing, right? That That's a good thing. But I, I, I it, it opens up a lot more stuff. Yeah. Now, I mean, at the same time, is, I have I have it's, no it's two tolerance. Steps forward, two steps back. You I know? have absolutely no tolerance for driving impaired, um, and being high is impaired. Um, absolutely, absolutely. And I understand the challenge with, especially because alcohol is easy to regulate. There's an established baseline of point zero eight percent, roughly speaking, nationwide. It's not sure. The, that's not the case everywhere. Uh, if you're over 0.08% blood alcohol content and there's effective, accurate roadside meters for that. Mm-hmm. You, yeah, you're, then you're, you're not allowed to drive. You're not allowed to drive. DUI is a, you know, is, is a felony in most cases um, or a severe, at least a severe misdemeanor. I'm cool with that. There isn't a roadside sobriety test for weed or THC. Until that can no. be developed, which I'm not, I don't think that it can without a, some sort of roadside blood test kit. Uh, yikes. Uh, Even a blood test is just going to show that you've done it in the last three days or something. Well, which you can get in the concentration. And until there's a, a, a breathalyzer equivalent of a THC test, the, the only way you can do it is suspected versus not. And. It's a shit. It's a shit situation, but that doesn't mean that we should be okay with people driving high. Well, listen, Dorv. I, I realize that this is possibly a topic for a different show too, but there is a solution to this. Actually, there is a, a a decent solution to this, but it goes into the idea that the breathalyzer is extremely flawed as well in a lot of different ways, and for decades we had field sobriety tests and those field sobriety tests work whether you were drinking beer smoking pot sniffing glue doesn't matter what you're doing if you can pass a field sobriety test from a trained police officer who is giving it properly and especially nowadays they wear body cams at least they're supposed to well, not everywhere. That, but most that's, places, yeah. Well, that that's your solution right there. You have it all on tape. Wear a body cam, give a field sobriety test, and then by the discretion of the officer, you are taken in. Because, quite frankly, if um, some valley girl drinks three white claws and is swerving all over the road, 
because I don't really care what people do and their life is their life, that valley girl who drank three White Claws at a party and is swerving all over the road, I care more about her driving than the 260-pound dude down in Oklahoma who just killed a 12-pack and is going to make it home just fine because he does it every day. I, I care about the person that's that's dangerous, you know? Like all criminals. I, I care about the ones that are dangerous, not the ones that aren't. So, you know, I mean, that that's, to me, the field sobriety test is the is the answer to that question again pot booze cocaine uh swallowing helium doesn't matter what you're doing what what pick your poison if you're if you're impaired from something you've been doing uh legal painkillers <laughs> whatever it was you were doing if you're impaired by it you shouldn't be driving you shouldn't be operating an automobile you shouldn't be not only do you put yourself. I mean, not only do you put yourself in danger, you put others in danger. No, I mean you shouldn't be flying a plane or driving a boat, riding a motorcycle, uh, working a forklift, <laughs> operating you know, construction I, equipment. You know, right? I mean, pick one. Um, what you should be doing is sitting at home, having a good right. time. Right. Right, and that's and that's my point. And the field sobriety test fixes all that, and it throws all that other nonsense out the window. Because I know with uh, even people think this that the breathalyzer is this end all be all perfect invention, and quite frankly, it's not. It's actually well, not at and, all. And quite frankly, the standard, for, uh, the the idea that it's the the point zero eight is set at the lowest common denominator. There's plenty of people out there, I think you and I included, that would probably be able to operate slightly above that, and would be totally fine. Uh, would, would have a adequate enough reaction time to properly operate a motor vehicle. Um, I, I, I agree. I agree. I, I think um, because you have I, to I think have a lot one, of people because you have to have one rule for everybody. You said it's the lowest common denominator. No, I mean the way it is. I, this sounds ridiculous, and what I'm saying is somewhat tongue in cheek. But you should almost be able to test at your own limit. <laughs> I mean, you should be able to if if an individual can go in there and uh, to the uh, you know to uh, the DMV and drink four beers or smoke a joint and then pass all the driving tests, then shouldn't they be uh, legit? <laughs> they do that with other things. I mean, I, I'm not really advocating for this, but I'm just I'm pointing out the hypocrisy that. They have no problem saying, "Hey, you're 70. You have to take another driver's test." You know, I mean, there shouldn't you just be able to have a card like, "Hey, I, I passed the test. I'm good. I'm allowed to blow point one two. But that that 16 year old chick, yeah, that 16 year old chick, she can't. She drinks one white claw, and yeah, she. Uh, I know she only blew a point oh six, but she's swerving all over the road. Now I don't know. Just um, I like I said, I'm not really advocating for that. I'm I'm more throwing that out there to um, point out the hypocrisy of the the system that we live in. Um, Dorf, you said something about you know you don't want drug dealers or foreign entities to be able to run wild with all this stuff, but I would ask the question: Would they if it were legal? 
I mean, th- what they do only has to be done in such a because in, in such a rough and illegal manner because it's illegal. I mean, if I I would tend to believe that businessmen, regulated women, regulated like other, regulated yeah. like any other commerce and tax the absolute piss out of it. Yeah, money, I money, mean, money. I'm I'm not for that. Yeah, but I, I know because taxation I, I would, is theft, Josh. Taxation is theft. Yeah, by definition, okay, tar- and extortion. Ta- what about tariffs? Tariff the shit out of it. Listen, you know, Dorf, I, I, I hate to sound. I, well, I am gonna sound apathetic, so I can't hate myself for it. But, but, but I don't care, because that's two very separate issues for me. I think it should be legal. If it gets tariffed, like. The rest of the stuff gets tariffed and taxed. Well, that's a different issue I have with it—a completely different issue I have with it. But if it is legal, then I would expect it to, you know. I mean, toilet paper is legal, and yeah, it's got tariffs and taxes. Uh, you know, magazines are legal; they have tariffs and taxes. Uh, you know, glass product—it doesn't matter. Yeah, and so, so yeah, I wouldn't expect it to say, I want drugs legal tomorrow, and they don't get tariffs and taxes because taxation is theft. Well, taxation is theft, and tariffs are extortion, but it doesn't really matter. Yeah, I mean, legal would be the same as the rest of the legal junk. So, one more thing here. So, future. Let's focus on the future. I, d- I don't disagree with much of what you said there at all. I mean... Look at any of our back catalog. We'll, you'll you'll understand why we we don't agree there. Mm-hmm. Totally. What about the concept of okay, cool, drugs are legal, but as a state, and when there's any sort of state sponsored or industry, you know, shared cost of health insurance or health care, there's a cost sharing burden. I understand that it's a very slippery slope. Which, you know, that's slippery slope standard argument. Yeah, it is. Fuck off. That if, because <laughs> I as a taxpayer, payer, we have a, a Medicaid and Medicare system, you know, this is even before we even get to single payer system, that will treat you if you fuck up using drugs. Should I have a say because I have to pay your portion of your bill? Should I have a say or should society have a say in what you're allowed to do because we pay for part of it. No, because they shouldn't have a say anyway. But because I they mean, do, should they? I don't care. What one? Oh, come on! One answer, th- answer the question. No, 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 come no. Because on. one thing, one thing being unjust doesn't mean that you get to be unjust. No, you, absolutely you won't, not. You won't put your like pragmatic, pragmatic reality hat on for a second and say because that's the way it works. Would you rather have a say? Okay. No. Okay. No. No, I have no desire to tell other human beings what they can do with their because, life. Because, you know, none I, whatsoever. I, I agree with you, Josh, here. I'm just I'm just throwing it out there. No, because you want to smoke five packs was, of cigarettes a day, because, smoke five, smoke another one for me. I and, don't care. And You're that, good. And if that was the case, we could potentially in in you know rationalize making being fat illegal. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely you could. Because the leading cause cause of, of health problems in the United States, especially at lower income levels, which are subject to Medicaid, is obesity. Yeah. Hey, Dorf, give give your government a minute and th- they'll do it. <laughs> give, give them that rope it's and they will hang in, you with in it. Some East, in Central Europe and Eastern European single-payer systems, 
they've made being fat illegal. Yeah, I know. Like, any not government illegal. would. You're not, not going to get thrown in jail for it, but like you'll get stuck because, uh, you know, oh well, you you wouldn't have had that health problem if you weren't fat. So uh, it's your own problem now. Any government will make anything illegal and enforce it with violence if you give them the opportunity to. They will. They love it. It's what they do. It's the hell. It's the only thing they're good at. Yeah, that's that's all there is to it. Violence. <laughs> yeah, well, monopolization of violence. I don't think any violence is really legitimate, but you know, and you do. I you. do. I do. But anywho, um, any. Okay. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yes, I, John... I see what you're saying. I'm not a pacifist. I'm not okay. a pacifist. So that you know, I'm, yeah, I'm with so, you. So Josh here, uh, you back to our first episode where you got to be dictator for a day. Yes, sir. You get another uh, another one hour shift here as dictator of uh, the world. Yes, Josh. Set drug policy. Go. Drugs are legal. Okay. Listen. Um, you. Um, are you springing inmates who were previously conv- convicted of this? Are you expunging records? Oh, of course. Yes, absolutely, absolutely, positively. Um, drugs are legal. What you put into your body is one hundred and ten percent up to you drugs are legal their drugs are legal to sell they're legal to buy um of course violence is still illegal if you shoot somebody over a bag of coke you still shot somebody i mean they, that so that doesn't matter the idea that that these you know bring about violence is no i anything you put in your body is legal um what you do when you put a substance, a mind-altering substance in your body, you are still responsible for it. You are absolutely positively still responsible for your actions. You don't get to say, well, I'm sorry I, you know, sorry I blew up this house, but I've been smoking a lot of pot. Sorry I left the pilot light on on the stove. I was drinking. No, it it doesn't doesn't work that way. You are still responsible for everything you do, but putting anything in your body is not illegal. No victim, no crime. It is that simple. Now I'll take it further. What if someone says, "Josh, I got a crystal ball here," and it says right here, "We, we it's a fact." Drug use is going to double with your policy. Whatever. Are you sure you don't? You sure you don't want to change it? My answer is no. I change nothing. I will take liberty over false security every single time. By the way, I don't think it'll double. I don't think it'll triple. I don't think it will go up. Dorf, let me ask you something real quick. Um, have have you ever smoked crack? No. Wait, neither have I. Neither have I. I've never smoked I, I'll, crack. I'll just, you can skip going down the list. Never used a band substance. Okay, yeah, cool. Awesome. I've never smoked crack either. I imagine maybe it's awesome because, you know, um, maybe it's, it seems like a lot of people really, once they try it, they, they seem to like it. Um, have you ever thought to yourself, man, I should try crack? No. No, nor have I. I shouldn't try crack. <laughs> nor, nor have I. 
Nor have I. Nor have I. Was your reasoning ever, I would like to try crack, but I'm not going to because it's illegal? That's part of it. I'm not going to lie. That's part of it. But the primary I mean, primary isn't it more like you don't want to... Hey, I... As a goody two-shoes person, I wouldn't even know where to find it. Secondly, <laughs> um, it's not that it's illegal. It's I just, you know, the ramifications of, of doing that is, is not something I'm comfortable with. I can honestly say, I do not think the legality or illegality of crack, of cocaine, of heroin, of meth, of ice. That is meth, right? I don't know. I, but the, the the legality or illegality of those drugs has never once played a part as to whether or not I wanted to try them. I don't want to try them because I don't want my teeth to fall out. I don't want to, you know, I, I, don't, I don't want to be addicted to a crazy drug. I don't want to be flipped out about these you know i I don't i haven't tried them because i don't want to try them and i really don't think that we legalize crack tomorrow and a whole bunch of people say hey time to try crack we're on a crack party right who's coming to my crack party it's legal it's legal hey crack's legal who's coming who's coming i got a bunch of crack i don't know what's gonna happen who knows, guys? This could be this could get weird. But you know, I got a bunch of crack. It's legal. Come on over. Let's let's smoke some crack. <laughs> Not a thing. Not a thing. Um, we are adults. We are citizens. We have a right to make our own choices as to what we're going to put into our body. Now, people want to throw statistics in about this stuff. You can't do this. You can't make your future about this because of these statistics. Now, statistically showing, alcohol is worse, right? More people die from alcohol. More people um, have an issue with alcohol. More people, But at the same time, those statistics... But you could also argue those... at the same time, Josh, drugs... Is, well, let's remove weed from this, but... The other controlled substances are a quicker way to a grave than alcohol. I'm, I'm about, alcohol kills you slow. I'm about uh, to get there. Of, okay, I'm about, right, sorry, I'm about to. I'm about to get there, Dorf. My point is, all the statistics are nonsense. The statistics are showing you what the people showing the statistics want them to show you. So the truth is, oh my God, more people die from alcohol than anything else. Okay, how? Yes, there are alcoholics out there. There are people that shouldn't drink. There are people that shouldn't drink as much as they do. There are many varying degrees. There are also a whole bunch of people out there who use alcohol recreationally and have fun. How many recreational heroin users do you know? How, how many how many part-time meth users do you know? Uh, no, the one person I knew that used heroin is they actually died from it. So yeah, no, I I got a couple that I know that are yeah. They're, no, there there isn't many people out there who have an occasional shot of heroin with their friends. I like meth, but I only I only do it at I, weddings. I, I, I only no, yeah, this, I, that's I only not a thing. I drink. Yeah, yeah. I th this isn't a thing. Okay, so the idea that. More people die from from alcohol. Well, 
because <laughs> because a lot of people drink alcohol for forty years and then and then die from it. There there isn't a whole bunch of people out there dying of alcohol overdose. Although I do know that's a problem. That can that can happen. You know, um, you know, college parties, people get uh, you know alcohol poisoning or whatever. But um, for for every person I've even heard of that has died of alcohol poisoning. I know a person who has tried really hard in one night to get that alcohol poisoning and failed and been just fine and lived, you know, I mean, so that that's not the case. I mean, if, uh, you know, but people do use, you know, I, I said crack and meth as a, um, as, as a, as an example on purpose, I use those, you know, as my example, there are people out there, um, a lot more than you think, if for for uh, the goody two shoes crowd, as as you put it, um, I never have. But there's a lot of people out there who are recreational cocaine users, recreational um, acid users, um, and they're um, they're better people than you think. <laughs> I'm not saying they're all good people that, or that that makes them good people. I'm just saying that, um, you know, that person who sold you your insurance last week, the, uh, you know, they, you don't know that they are or aren't. And do you know what the best part about it should be? The best part about rights and liberties is that it's none of your business. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. That's That doesn't define the, the person they are. There's actually a whole bunch of people out there who like go and get blackout drunk every night. I don't endorse that either. But a lot of those people are like, you know, CFOs of companies, and uh, you know, or um, you know, might be working on your car loan the next day. So what? It's none of your business. Can they do their? It's none of your business. Can they provide yeah. the? Utilitarian service that you require of them, if if so, doesn't matter. This is my point. This is my point. So I'm gonna explain my future here and wrap it up. I'm very much of the. Go ahead, let it go. We don't really need most of the function of like the ATF. Let it run wild. Decriminalize drug use. I'm. I am not going to spring people from prison or or clear records because what they did was illegal at the time. And you know, if we're still going to have the concept of a permanent record, they shouldn't get any special consideration because what they did at the time was illegal. And you know, even though it will, you know, in my temporary dictatorship here, would no longer be illegal. That doesn't mean it wasn't in the past, and their record shouldn't reflect as such. I don't have a problem with that. The decent, decent compromise. But at the same time, if there's going to be cost sharing, you know, whether it's it's insurance pools or a Medicaid, Medicare, single payer system where health consequences are, are a shared burden, then. If it's a voluntary action, you know what? I'm not going to say if you 
drink yourself into liver cirrhosis. I'm sorry, I, I shouldn't have, that is an entirely preventable thing. I, I as a, a shared cost payer of your, your expenses, I shouldn't have to contribute to that. As someone who OD'd on drugs, that is, you know, you were aware of the risks, you harmed yourself anyway, you didn't have to do this. Addiction, you know, addiction is what it is, but addiction services and addiction counseling and addiction therapy is available. Um, that, uh, yeah, but at the same time, if, if we're going to decriminalize this, I think there would be a, if we're going to do public funding or shared cost burdens in some way, whether it's a market solution or a, or, or a state solution, you put a huge, bigger emphasis on the, the therapy of it. But at the same time, if you harm yourself and turn yourself into a vegetable because you decided to drink drain cleaner to get high, I'm sorry. I, I shouldn't have to pay for that. What if someone has a genetic disorder? Uh, if it's a genetic disorder and it's no fault of their own and they're a, a participant in the, you know, if we decide, to, if it's a private a private uh, solution, and we decide that we're going to accept everybody and that's part of the rules, fine. The public solution, I would argue that you can't discriminate based on pre-existing conditions. If it's a public solution, um, you have you'll have to take them as well. But if it's a market-based solution where we decide that we don't want that's not part of our cost-sharing pool, we shouldn't be obligated to take them either. Really, I gotta pay for somebody with a genetic disorder? No, that, that goes on and has three kids, and now I gotta pay for those three kids. They passed on that genetic disorder to them. Come on, I gotta pay for that. I, I yeah. I, I think that would be fair. Hmm. Okay. In, in, a, in a public base, in a public solution, or a private solution, that that is part of the the terms and conditions. That's part of the contract agreed to by all participants. That we're going to take you know either specific conditions X, Y, and Z, LMNOP, etc. Or or if they choose to not take them at all, then that would be the right as well in a, in a private solution. But I have a genetic susceptibility to addiction. Is that my fault? No. I mean, uh, that that's I I'm. It's not my fault that I have you know. Okay, that so genetically, that's, this I'm is an entirely different, entirely different subject. I think addiction, yes, while there is a genetic component, there is still a matter of will. Just don't don't play with fire, and and you don't end up in trouble. But at the same time, I understand how powerful the urge is to to play with fire, and that's a. I understand that that's a that's a tricky situation, but if you're making wide sweeping policy, you're gonna have to make a black or white decision here, and it's it's gonna be ugly either way you choose it. Because if you open up wide and and say we'll take everybody, you leave yourself open to abuse. If you ratchet it down and say up, oh, no excuse, addiction is an excuse, uh, and you cut people off, there's plenty of people that can't help themselves that are gonna be adversely affected by that as well. Or or maybe just maybe. If all that is required, then maybe your policy is unjust. Fair enough. All right, let's let's finish with that. Anything else tonight, Josh? Yeah, real quick. I I don't think this would go off on too much, but are do you think there's any good? I mean, we should cover the other side. Do you think there's any good things that came about the about from the war on drugs? In the end, no. Was it a noble goal at the beginning? I, th I I do think so. I think it was uh, originally intended was to try and keep the society together, functioning in a higher good intentions, poor execution, um, 
should have been disbanded. Well, it hasn't been disbanded, but should have been disbanded rather quickly after, uh, uh, you know, a, a, like a one or two year analysis of the situation. We should have we should have gotten out of this much sooner. I agree with you, Dorf. I um I asked you that question because I tried to ask myself that question before we went on air tonight. And the only thing I could think of, the only thing, was on a personal level, the war on drugs and a handful of other uh, of other policies are basically all that kept me from being a Republican. Now, I feel like I would have you know I would have stayed in Republican I... hell forever had it not been for a. For a handful of things, one of them, probably the primary one being the war on drugs. Because um, so much of it as a libertarian, in a, as a modern libertarian dealing with modern Republicans and modern Democrats, the Democrats are so off their rails on, on so many things that a lot of libertarians want to just like, oh, God – the Republicans suck, but Jesus Christ, those Democrats are crazy. So you end up like plugging your nose and pulling the lever for the R like I did for John McCain all those years ago. God, I'll never forgive myself for that. I was 30. Not, I, I would have probably done that at the time, but I was not old enough. Oh, God, really? God, that wasn't Nope. I was I wasn't eligible to vote till the first you know statewide election in 2010. I always forget how young you are, Dorf. You're getting you're like 15 years old, but I just I'm, hey, I, I was hey, I'm almost twice that. <laughs> I'm God. 29. When 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 I voted for John McCain, I was divorced with two kids. But <laughs> <laughs> but it doesn't matter. But really, that that was the only thing I could think of is that it's policies like these that kept me from being a Republican. That that kept that that made me realize that you no know what this whole duopoly thing there's there's lousy people on both sides of this and I gotta look outside. Okay. Oh I don't think I got anything else to add, so wow, hour and fifteen minutes. We're almost we're done here. So alright. Sorry that I talked too much. That's alright. That's gonna wrap up episode six here. Um Empire Next Podcast. Every Tuesday, drop an episode at 7 a.m. Eastern. For Josh, I'm Dorf. We'll see you all next time. See you.